You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! So I just realized like an hour ago that I'm not 100% sure if the album title is ultra saint opera or ultra street opera <laughs> it's saint i never uh i didn't think about that until the album came out and like it it still took like a week afterwards for someone to like ask me and i was like oh shit i never thought about that <laughs> right after that one person asked me it was like opening a floodgate and like all these people started asking me and i was like jesus christ I didn't <laughs> that's so funny yeah i I, I thought it was Saint, but then yeah. at, the, at the last minute, I was like, wait, I guess it could be Street. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't. Yeah, it's such a stupid oversight on my part, but <laughs> it looks cooler with the abbreviation anyways. So. Yeah, <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know you've been like really entrenched in like, you know, like music and DIY since you were like, you know, an early teenager and stuff. And yeah. I'm just... Uh, curious like a little bit about like your musical journey and like where the drive came from at like such a young age yeah dave and i actually uh from rap boys we grew up together in this town called oak forest um i met dave when a little bit later than when i first got into music but we met through music i was still i was probably like uh maybe 14 or 15 how old are you when you're freshman in high school like uh, so somewhere around there <laughs> yeah so i um i met dave around then but we grew up in a like on the south in the southwest suburbs of chicago like um we uh grew up in this scene that had a lot of like active musicians and an active music scene and stuff and we didn't play as many house shows as I would have like liked to growing up, but like we would go to shows at like Namdi Obanaya's house and stuff like that. And that was like the big show spot. Um, it wasn't in Oak Forest, but it was in a town nearby. Um, then our friend Mike Giannoni would have this like kind of mini festival thing, like every single year where he'd rent out this little like building at a park district in Manhattan, Illinois. And he would like host all these bands from across the city, and uh, it just became this thing. We called they called it the big show, and so it was this thing we looked forward to like every single year. And it just like really created and like bonded all these friendships that we still have today. And like I met everyone in the Chicago music scene through that, and like then through that I met everyone in like the U.S. music scene, <laughs> like that. Like you know, it just kind of grows outwards like a spider web and kind of like grows into this like network Mm -hmm. um but yeah we've been lucky to do like a lot of like i mean i've been like lucky to do like diy tours and stuff since i was a teenager and now at this point we've booked like i've booked shows all over the world with friends and stuff like that and it's just it's the best community that i've ever found for sure but but yeah with the long story short we grew up um kind of surrounded by friends that were into music and they got me into music because that's just what my friends were doing and I was like fuck I guess I gotta learn how to play guitar and like 
get into punk music if I want to hang with my friends. So <laughs> it, I kind of got forced into it, but I'm glad I did it. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> and you, you mentioned kind of like the booking of shows all over the world. And I know um, that this album was like dual released in Japan as well. How did that yeah. kind of like come into the mix? Um, well, I started playing with uh, my friends and rap boys a couple of years ago, and they had a label in Japan that was putting out the record, Friend of Mine Records. Um, and so when we went to go tour in Japan with rap boys, I like I was kind of meeting some of the people that we were going to be hanging out with like ahead of time, like online and like through email and stuff like that. So I like kind of started a quick side chat with our friend Suni Hero, who put out the uh, Rap Boys record GN over there mm-hmm. and uh, was kind of like, hey, would you like what like what kind of show spaces are over there and stuff? Like since we're over there, I'd like to like, you know, book a show and stuff like we're playing a handful of shows, but we're going to be over there for like this many days. I'd love to like fill a day with a show and everything. And he helped <laughs> me like book a show at this spot in Tokyo and stuff like that and then I got to know him and then he was of course we like became good friends while we were over there and stuff there all the people over there were some of like the nicest people I've ever met in my life and uh then soon here I wanted to put out uh Ultra Saint Opera the new Jupiter Styles record as well so that's kind of just how that unfolded it's just you know this like how DIY communities usually work it's just like making friends and kind of things grow from there you know it's just like the relationships that you foster through music just yeah. like you know you continue to work together and stuff going forward for sure for sure and you mentioned kind of like the idea of you know you wanting to fill a day with a show and you seem very like non-stop both in um music and in life uh, and i'm curious like kind of how, how do you kind of like handle that and balance everything that means a lot because recently I've just been like working nine to five and then like watching sports on TV until I fall asleep for six hours. So, so that's I'm glad that I am putting out that perception. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't like anytime we're on tour or something like that. Like we never want to waste a day off or something. Like that's how we always view we is in like the group of people that play in Jupiter Styles and Rap Boys and uh, our previous band single player and stuff like that. Like we've always, when we're touring, say we're like all the way out in California or something like, yeah, we're in like beautiful California, but, but if we have an off day, it's like we drove all the way out here. We want to fill it with something. You know, I think there's like, there's a common thread between all of us that is like, we don't want to waste any time like any moment at all like mm-hmm. even i was just talking to my friend aaron uh aaron schultz at rat king records who helps me put out the vinyl and he was like asking me like what i was watching on tv and stuff and i was just like well i try to like make a conscious effort to like if i'm kind of wasting time and watching tv or something that I, i'm trying to like watch a show that would like kind of inform me of something I didn't know about before or teach me something I didn't know about before and stuff so like even down to like the th- stuff that we do to like kill time we're always trying to like use it in a productive manner if that makes sense yeah for sure that's really uh, an admirable thing I feel like <laughs> <laughs> easy if you could bend things to fit 
<laughs> like, like if I watch a sport, like if I watch sports, I'm like, oh, well, I'm keeping up with the current news. You know? <laughs> true, true. I'm making excuses all the time. <laughs> and, and I know you um, work uh, pretty actively as like a freelance journalist as well, um, which yeah. you're again able to use that time on the road uh, lots of the time. Um, yeah. I'm curious how that kind of. Um, and it, it's the journalism is like more than just the music side of things. I'm curious how um, all of that kind of affects um, like your mindset and the way you like write and create created like the stuff for Jupiter styles. Yeah. I think in terms of like how it influenced the way that I have been writing and stuff, I think over a period of time, like the longer that I'm an active working journalist, the more um, like inclined to be, open about stuff and like be 100% honest about how I'm feeling and stuff like that and I think that comes from a point of like in journalism you're like kind of it's like hammered into your head as a reporter to like always be as clear as possible and be as direct as possible and stuff and like you want to get this information from point A to point B point B being like a reader's brain you know like trying to pass information along so (laughs) I think like when I, especially when I was like writing Ultra Saint Opera and stuff, I wanted to be as open as possible about the things that are like constantly on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always tried to like write from a personal standpoint, just because I think that's the art that I've always like been drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, like our friend Kyle Lang, who has this band called Easter, now it's called Special Death. Um, he's always written very openly and very straightforward. And, um, you know, someone like Namdi and stuff like that does the same thing too, where you can like really connect with what they're saying because it's like they're writing about something at a human level. All that going into like how I write now, I think I, I was just trying to write something that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. and people can understand and it also like touch on stuff that like we typically don't want to talk about you know like this record is filled with discussions about suicide and stuff and I mean that's a very difficult thing to like verbalize and difficult conversation to have with someone else especially out loud but you know we get we'll, we're, we get to a point where we like need to talk about that and it's healthy to talk about that stuff so I think I just wanted to be like completely honest and transparent which comes from journalism for sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah that makes a lot of sense um and i'm kind of curious how like you balance that um like the desire for clarity with kind of like the inherent creative side of music yeah i think i yeah on that i think i use similes way too much and i've been like (laughs) consciously trying to step away from that and I, I say, I think I have the millennial problem of saying the word like every other <laughs> fucking word. You know, it's like, a, like I just did it again twice. <laughs> it's just a huge problem and it just like gets stuck in your lexicon. But um, but yeah, I, I, it's, it is a tough balance between like writing about something that you're constantly thinking about and trying to make it interesting because you're stuck with your own thoughts constantly. You know, like there's no escape from your own thoughts. So it can seem boring after a while because you're like, oh, I've thought about this all day. Like, who wants to fucking talk to me about this? Or like, why would I want to talk about it again? But something about like 
realizing that someone else is thinking the same thing or is going through this own unique thought as well kind of just like unlocks this piece of you that's like oh fuck you think that too or like you do that weird thing too and it's just it it makes you feel like not alone in a mm-hmm. way so there are it, it is tough to like you know like write about something that you're thinking about every day because you don't want to make it boring and just like common and stuff like that you want to make it interesting because it's art and you're trying to like entertain someone as well so it is it is a little difficult but i think <laughs> um i realize i guess i just didn't answer your question but it's like I, I i think it's just that connection and like finding that like bridge between someone else and creating that i think <laughs> is the thing that makes it interesting because it is like that eureka moment that you have when you realize someone else does this weird thing when they like cook breakfast or when they like do something else in the morning you know like I think it it just like like I said before it just kind of makes you feel a little bit less alone which can be a very consuming and dangerous thing to think about all the time. <laughs> yeah definitely and I think it's kind of like you mentioned kind of like just some doing something similar to something that someone else does like when they're making breakfast. It's, I think it's really interesting to find like that connection over the kind of like minutia of things rather than like, you know, just like the overarching, you know, like life is like this in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm, I guess like, I use that example and that's like not really something I write about, but it's like <laughs> you, I don't know. You want to like, find that connection with somebody else in a thought that's more um scary i guess like the thought about like depression or something like that like a lot of people are scared to talk about that aloud with somebody else but when they realize that somebody else is also dealing with that or going through that then they feel more comfortable to open up and talk about it and when we did the tour in November, we did like a two and a half week tour in November, just around the Midwest and stuff to promote the record that just came out. We played all the songs off the record and I had a lot of like heartfelt conversations with a lot of people that were at the shows and I wasn't expecting that fully. And now I kind of realized that I may have, like I probably should have just because (laughs) of the content of the record. But I had a lot of like very positive and productive and like heartwarming conversations with people who were kind of expressing to me that like oh like I you know like I wasn't like I I don't usually talk about this but but I I have like I want to talk to you about it and I think it's because when you hear someone else like singing about that and being open in such a public way like I like I was saying before like I'm trying to like lay myself completely out there on the line like Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's a thing that like more artists should do is just be like completely transparent and honest about things. And that's, I'm trying to do that as much as possible, but yeah, it led to a lot of like interesting conversations. On the river, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And um, you kind of mentioned like the idea of talking about things that are kind of like scary and hard to talk about. And it, it seems like, um, the kind of like origin of the record and kind of like the what it kind of like hinges upon is or like one of like the main things Mm -hmm. is um like the line in supermodel where it's like um i'm getting scared that i don't remember that my friend's dead uh, which is you know extremely heavy but also something like i could you know definitely relate to as well um i'm just curious if you could talk a little bit about 
maybe not not necessarily like that specifically, but just kind of like how everything like came together and, you know, like your process of like working through like those thoughts and feelings and getting yeah. like pen to paper. Yeah, sure. I mean, that was kind of like the catalyst that started the record was my friend Wesley had passed away and we weren't like extremely close or anything, but we'd always like, we'd worked together and we were in the same music scene together down in Champaign and stuff. And then uh, we would always like keep in touch, like through messages and stuff like that. Like we would send each other music and stuff like on Facebook messenger and everything. And he had passed away like a couple months before. And like, I just like, it never really like sunk into my brain that he had passed away. And I kept like thinking like, Oh, I should send that to Wesley. Or like, if I'm going to a show, I'll be like, Oh, is, I'm like, Wesley will probably be there. So, you know, when you're thinking about like, who's going to be at this show. <laughs> so I just started to realize that like, that you're, I, I don't know. Like it, I, I think most people can relate to this that like in now 2020, which is scary as fuck, but like 2020 <laughs> now we're like constantly our minds are being drawn to like different things like every second, you know, and you're always kind of scatterbrained and thinking about a million different things at once, especially when half our lives are online now where there's, you know, advertisements everywhere and like things trying to get you to click on this here and there and stuff. And it, I just kind of realized that like maybe my brain didn't have space to like understand that something had changed, you know, or like, <laughs> Maybe in that's I think that's like a defense mechanism as well with like a friend passing away that you're like trying to deny that it even happened maybe like at a subconscious level but but yeah so I I was just like like it felt like disrespectful or something to like not remember that he had passed away and I felt like terrible for like sometimes being like oh yeah well I'll see Wesley there and then remembering that you know like I'm not gonna see Wesley there so. It's and I, I like and I think that kind of relates in a broader sense to this like you know we kind of push our emotions down sometimes in the face of like oh I need to do this today or something like I I don't have time to like deal with this right now because our time becomes like so precious and limited because of all the things that we have to do every day or the things that we feel we have to do every day. So I guess that was just trying to touch on that line of thinking that like, you know, sometimes we do need to like take a step back and think about the things that are actually going on in our like physical world, like around us and, you know, like pay attention to the people that are in our lives at the moment, just because I know, I know it's cheesy when you break it down to that way, but like, you know, like tomorrow, maybe your friend's not going to be there or your family member isn't going to be there or something you know you never know what's exactly going to happen so it's kind of just like a hey like take a step back and realize what's important kind of thing and I, I was trying to pass that message along like throughout the record and that's the thought that's like constantly going through my head is like <laughs> hey dude like appreciate what's going on right now or like appreciate that you're in the car with some of your best friends driving around the country playing music and like seeing friends every single night in a different city that like you never get to see and stuff like that like I just being appreciative of like what's going on and stuff and as you like as I mentioned too like Wesley was a musician so like I thought it was a nice fitting way to like memorialize him in that way not that I should be the one memorializing his memory because we weren't like 
best friends or anything, but like I knew that was a way to keep someone's memory alive that had an impact on my life. So mm-hmm. like throughout that tour and stuff, I kept thinking like, this is cool. Like we get to like play these songs in different cities around the country and we're playing that song every single night. And in, in, in a small, like kind of symbolic way, he gets to come on tour with us still. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's kind of like what all that snowballed into with that line, <laughs> that line <laughs> kind of expands into something else, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that definitely, uh, you mentioned kind of like the idea of feeling like guilty for kind of like thinking, oh, I should like send this to them or like, I'll see him there. But I, I also think that's kind of like, you know, a, a nice thing at the same time. It's like, he's still kind of like part of like your life, even if it's like not, you know, yeah not able to do those things but like just the idea that like like, you're still thinking about him yeah i i think that's the sentiment that i was never able to put into words and then i heard this jason isbell song that like i I don't even remember which song it is but he says something about like you know like you're the idea of the one lyric was that like a person is everybody that like a piece of everybody that they've ever met before and i think that's a really good thought and that's kind of the point of like writing about stuff that you're thinking about all the time or think or like feeling all the time and like going through your head all the time because you know it could unlock this like idea in someone else's brain just like that song kind of like made me realize like oh fuck everyone that I've literally ever met in my entire life in some microscopic way or big way has like impacted who I am today and I I it's crazy to think about that, you know, like, I don't like, did you have friends when you were like really little that you don't talk to anymore and stuff? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like that yeah, for sure. totally formed your personality and like <laughs> it stuck with you, whether you still talk to them or not. Yeah. Just, I, d- I definitely know what you mean. Um, yeah. And that also kind of like ties into something that stood out to me. I think it was from the MTV piece um, about the album. Um, you kind of like mentioning that, you kind of enjoy um, listening to stories more than you do telling them. Um, (laughs) Talker. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just curious how that kind of like, you know, it it makes sense as far as like the journalism side of things for sure. Like, you know, listening to the story in order to be able to like, um, you know, bring it to a broader audience. Um, But how does that kind of like compare to, um, music writing as far as um like you're becoming the storyteller like how does it feel kind of like being on that side of things when you kind of like prefer the the other way around (laughs) yeah it's a difficult thing to kind of wrap your head around and kind of like come to terms with because like when I'm writing songs largely they're from my perspective and I'm like kind of going against <laughs> and being hypocritical about what I say when I'm like, oh, I'd rather listen to somebody tell a story. <laughs> but like, I guess in that way, I'm like talking about like, oh, if we're hanging out with friends or something, or if like I'm with family or something like that, I'd really, I really love like just sitting back and like listening to them tell stories and like kind of, it's a way of catching up or getting to know someone better rather <laughs> than just like constantly like, self-fulfilling and like talking about yourself all the time because it's like I I guess too as a freelance journalist I'm spending the whole day alone I don't work in an office or anything so I'm like constantly by myself and with myself so I am always itching to like 
hear someone else talk. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's weird when you sit down to like write music. And I've thought about that before and like really struggled with that before where it's like, okay, does anyone really care what I think about? Or like, why does someone care what I think about? And that's kind of like that self-critical kind of uh, honing in on yourself from like an outside perspective, like has kind of helped me form in like a, like a purpose of songwriting and stuff like that. Because I know like no one cares what I think about certain issues and stuff where I don't have an authority to speak about. And I would never like dare to like try to act like an authority to speak about certain <laughs> issues or something like that. But like on an issue of like depression and suicide and stuff like that, like I think I have like from past experiences, like have pretty good authority to like talk about that stuff. So I feel more comfortable to talk about it. <laughs> and I think that like it car- kind of carves out a, a lane that I know I can like be comfortable in and like can actually provide value to someone else listening to music in (laughs) like if if you're trying to make art I think you should be trying to make something that you can show someone else something or teach someone else something or like explain to someone else something and maybe I don't think I've ever met anyone like this but maybe there's people out there who are never depressed or never think about suicide every day and stuff like that so but like if they hear it maybe they'll get a perspective from someone who does think about that stuff every single day you know and like or like on the flip side of that like someone who does think about that stuff every day will hear it and like we were talking about before will be like oh shit you think about that too and that makes me feel a little bit more normal and like a little bit more okay and like then that art has a certain amount of value to this person and but yeah it's it so like thinking about that idea of like oh I'm the one telling this story like I I need to make it valuable and like how can I make it valuable and I think that's like knowing what I have an authority to speak on and what I absolutely do not have an authority to speak on and that's helped me like kind of narrow down my focus when I'm songwriting for sure Yeah, definitely. And I think that kind of also goes a little bit back to um, what you were saying earlier about kind of like trying to be like more present and like that kind of like Um, self-reflection. I think that probably like, you know, those two tie into each other and kind of just strengthen each of them as you continue to like work on stuff. Yeah, it's like awareness and stuff. And I think also it comes from like, (laughs) I, I guess I kind of realize more and more every day how different parts of my life are impacting each other. But like, I just thought about it now, like maybe that comes from being a journalist when you're like, say you're writing about like, like say there's a story on like bank fraud or something like that. Like I'm not going to just like knock on my neighbor's door and like ask them for a quote on whatever this like (laughs) bank fraud story is. Like I'm going to go to like an expert who knows about this. So like I'm always kind of like, as a journalist, you're always looking for an expert to speak on an issue who has an authority to speak on it. So I think maybe in a way that is kind of like subconsciously formed my like view of like, what do I actually, what can I actually like speak on properly versus like, what am I just bullshitting about? Or what, like, you know, there's a million different topics that I know absolutely nothing about or don't understand the perspective or background 
of those situations and in those issues and stuff like that. So like I defer to somebody else who actually has an authority to speak on that. You know what I mean? So yeah, for sure. It's, I, I think it's knowing your lane for sure. And like always keeping your ears open and listening to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and kind of like, I guess, transitioning a little bit into like the music itself specifically. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like um, ultra Saint opera has like a really cohesive, um, like sound and kind of like vibe to it. Um, and so uh, when I hear records like that, I'm always like really curious what kind of like the recording process is like and how you kind of like settled upon that. Yeah, it took a long time. Usually like throughout my entire life when recording music, I've like a lot of, a large percentage of the time when I've recorded music, I've recorded it by myself on an eight track. Um, and it doesn't sound good. <laughs> so <laughs> my friend Adam, uh, Adam Beck, he plays drums in Sincere Engineer and like Mother Evergreen and stuff in Chicago. And uh, he uh, he works at a recording studio type one on the in Chicago. And like I was able to kind of go over there whenever he had an open time. Like so we kind of recorded it over the course of many months because both of us tour a lot and stuff and both of us work full-time jobs at home as well so it was always like weekends or like you know after work for like four hours a day and stuff and it was like what can we tackle today and we were like had a big game plan and everything but I guess to get to the point (laughs) yeah uh he he was a big influence on like making sure that the record had a cohesive sound and stuff obviously recording it with one person like you know keeps the theme going and stuff but we like did put a lot of thought and had a lot of like long conversations sitting in the studio talking about like how can we relate this track back to this track or like how can we create like a sonic theme throughout this and stuff so there's a lot of like kind of like very mini like noise interludes or like noise swells and stuff throughout the record that kind of acted like an audible glue to keep Mm -hmm. things together or like going into orbiter there's a moment uh before the song actually starts there's kind of this like rise of like of noise and like a large part of the noise is just like a slowed down version of the vocals in the song figure in the sky which is like the fourth track on the record so like from one side of the record to the other side of the record there's something like gluing them together and like making you think about the record as a whole rather than just like here's 14 random songs that we put together because like I've done that plenty of times before and it like doesn't really mean any like this record means so much more to me than any other record that I've ever done and I think a large part of that is because we took the time to like craft it to be one singular thing Mm-hmm. as well as like 14 different things it's like a like i i try to think about it like as a book in some ways where it's like you talk about the book but really you can go chapter by chapter mm-hmm. and like split it apart that way and stuff like that as well so but like it, it is does feel like a whole and a lot of that is adam like being very aware and conscious in the studio while recording being like hey we should throw this in here and like you know like go like kind of call back to this song here like make this similar noise here so it calls back to this song here and stuff Mm. like that and he also used like the same settings on a lot of things throughout the record Mm. so like the 
drums we recorded all in one day so that was easy to make those sound pretty <laughs> straightforward throughout the whole thing but like the vocal settings and stuff we like he saved them and then we were able or like wrote them down or something so then the next time we recorded vocals we were able to like use the exact same settings as before so he was he was just a very smart and like aware person when recording yeah i mean you mentioned kind of like um really trying to make it like a singular piece, which is I think something that um, is part of the reason that I connected with it so much. Um, I'm I'm a very like album oriented person. um, And and I feel like there's definitely, um, especially compared to like Be Good, uh, the first album, there's Mm -hmm. like um, certainly, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) there's definitely like, yeah, like more cohesion and uh, a a lot more polish as well. Um, I'm curious, like you said how a lot of like the, like the the through line elements of it came together while like in the recording studio um how did that kind mm-hmm. of like affect the writing process were like the kind of the base of the songs um you know ready before you recorded or does it kind of like evolve more in the studio as well um a large i mean i made sure that like the songs themselves were written beforehand but like there were some parts that we added throughout the record and stuff like that or like I think the like random little changes where like Adam or Marcus who played drums uh, would be like, Hey, we should do this instead. Or like, what do you think about this? And we kind of switched some things up, but, but yeah, that like, cause the first song I had written was supermodel and I've had that song written for a couple of years and uh, I wanted to like include it on be good, but it was so soon after it was written that like it, I just didn't feel like, I sat on it for a while and I think that was a good move. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's something I'm trying to be more aware of now rather than just like pumping shit out constantly is like <laughs> sitting on it and like, you know, like recording. And then like, we, we recorded the album over a couple months, Ultra St. Opera. So like it took a long time and like Adam would send me mixes every time that we recorded whether they were just like hey we recorded bass and drums today it just sounds like bass and drums or like it was the final mixes you know like it varied Mm -hmm. so throughout the whole process I was able to like constantly listen back and like probably like 90% of what I listened to over those months was the record that we were making and I think that was a good thing because it was like constantly reviewing it and constantly like building upon it and stuff like that so um we added a lot in that were like new ideas especially vocally and stuff like that too but um but yeah the like the sentiment and like the lyrics and ideas and stuff like that were all there before we went in and I think that was a thing that like kind of just spawned off of having supermodel being the first song mm-hmm. and it was like like oh I think you know like this could be an impactful song so I think maybe it can like kind of expand out and bloom into something bigger and it kind of did I mean some songs don't didn't necessarily start out relating to each other but I think in a lot of ways they ended up relating to each other whether that's like a song about you know like a song about God or a song about like you know your friend passing away or something I think it all leads back to like a central question you know like and just kind of like the like 
kind of air of just like being upset and confused and not understanding what's going on around you and like not really like knowing what to believe and stuff like that I think it all kind of like centralized back to those kind of like basic broad emotions but Mm -hmm. they definitely all the songs touch on different things of course but I think there's just a through line like you said throughout like from when I was doing the songwriting to like when we were recording Mm -hmm. yeah and a lot of those kind of like um themes and like feelings that you mentioned kind of lend themselves um back to like nostalgia and I feel like the sound of this record is kind of very nostalgic um I'm technically a 90s kid, but I don't really have <laughs> what that. Year? <laughs> uh, 93 is when I was born. Okay, that's the same year I was born. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but So I I didn't really get into like rock music until like the My Chemical Romance Fall Out Boy era. Um, yeah. So I don't really have like a great uh, kind of like reference point for like 90s, but I feel like this kind of like oozes the 90s feeling. So I'm, I'm curious kind of like what were kind of the, um, some of like the influences that you drew on for the sound of the record. <laughs> oh shit. Um, I think there was like a joke going on that every song was just going to be that semi-sonic song, uh, Closing Time. Oh my, they, they I, used, like, I, I swear, they, the first thing in my notes is the opening of Shoulder reminds me so much of Closing Time. <laughs> Damn, word, okay. <laughs> I thought about Shoulder. I was thinking like, because I used octave chords a lot on the record, and I think uh, that's I think the hook in that song. I'm guess I've never like looked it up or watched a video of them playing it live, but I I imagine that it's just octave chords. I'm not very like well spoken or educated when it comes to like music, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I I think it's just octave chords. So I think like the fact that I just use an octave chord will like automatically make it sound like that. <laughs> and uh but yeah yeah there was like a joke about that and stuff and I like grew up like loving like you know like like kind of like early 2000s like late 90s like pop radio and stuff so like Sugar Ray or Cheryl Crow and stuff like that or like I've <laughs> been like heavily listening to like the Dixie Chicks and Tim McGraw <laughs> lately so uh I I think that stuff is just like stuff that I grew up with. And like you said, I'm just like nostalgic for it. So I think no matter what I try to write, it's going to be in the DNA of like my songwriting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like with a lot of people our age that grew up listening to, um, listening to the radio when they were growing up, you know, because that was still very much a thing. I mean, it is now, but like it was heavily a thing when we were younger. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think I see like a lot of times, like I even saw today, like Soccer Mommy released a new single yesterday or whatever it was. And someone was like, this sounds like third eye blind. And I'm like, <laughs> does it really? Or is it just because like, that's what we all want to hear when we hear like pop rock songs. <laughs> so so I, I don't I don't know. But like, yeah, that, that, that I think that stuff just like is... Uh, just like seeped into my DNA and like a lot of other songwriters DNAs that are like around our age because just because it was like the formative sounds that they were hearing when they grew up and stuff but I also came from like that south side like Chicago music scene that I was talking about before at the beginning of this is like a heavily nostalgic group (laughs) so (laughs) like there's no chance at all that you can get like a group of 
people from that music scene together in one room and like not talk about the big show that we did every summer or like talk about shows at Nambi's house and stuff like that stuff <laughs> constantly comes up and it's fun because it's like there's definitely just this sense of community and stuff but like we are also to a point of negativity we are very nostalgic <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of that for sure but yeah I think that definitely see, like got into the record and it's gonna just get into every record and I've kind of just had to accept that for sure. <laughs> yeah I think it's kind of cool how the like idea of nostalgia kind of ties back to the, the love of storytelling that we were talking about before too yeah because it's in there lyrically like the song play cool is like a hundred percent there for nostalgic purposes like all of that all the lyrics in there all are all like memories and stuff like that from growing up in Oak Forest where like Illinois where like Dave and I met and stuff like that and like I directly like reference like memories that I had when we were younger from like hanging out at my friend Josh's house and stuff like that and it's so like it is in it's in there like sonically of course and stuff and I think that's just like natural and like incidental but like lyrically it's very purposeful especially in that song and I think a lot of that was like, you know, when you get upset and you get depressed or like get really sad or something like that, you kind of think about the grass is greener kind of stuff. And I think for a lot of people, the grass is kind of always greener in the past because, you know, like you think about the memories that formed you and stuff. And of course, like a lot of that is like happy stuff or like hanging out with friends and stuff like that. Like you think about like the happy memories that like, you always have and everything and I I think that's kind of why I wanted to put that in there is because like when you are having these like depressive moments or something or thinking about like really 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 dark thoughts you kind of think like you kind of like provide like the uh, the, like defense argument in a way of like hey like this is a reason to like keep going like you know there's good shit in there too so I think that was kind of like a like kind of like reminder that like life can be beautiful and like at certain times and stuff and it's just like you gotta like constantly remember that stuff so that that song especially is just like a reminder of good things and like that good things are always like happening and stuff but you might just not notice in the present yeah for sure and um i I know we've been talking a lot about the kind of the style of the album and the cohesion of the the sound Mm -hmm. um the kind of one thing that it sets itself apart from that would be like kind of the explosion of uh leak going into could not exist (laughs) which are kind of very stylistically different from each other and pretty stylistically different from the rest of the album so um i was just curious about you know how that part came together (laughs) i just kind of thought it was funny um but (laughs) (laughs) to be honest like i i always like listening to like i mean i i'm not an expert at all like i'll clarify that beforehand but like i do like listening to black metal and my friend john manchaka out in denver um i was i I, like lived in the same area as him and stuff in champagne like five years in central illinois and uh he kind of introduced me to a lot of heavier music and stuff stuff that I was completely opposite from what I grew up you know I just told you I grew up listening to like Sugar Ray and Cheryl Crow (laughs) like just got done listening to like fucking Dixie Chicks greatest hits and stuff like that so like being like going and living in Champaign for a couple years and being like opened up to 
like hardcore punk or like black metal and stuff like that was like holy fuck what is this you know because we had like (laughs) punk music and like a punk scene and stuff in on the south side of chicago but like no one was really doing like hardcore punk or like really gritty like black metal or really beautiful black metal and stuff like that too and it kind of taught me the value of a lot of like you know when people think about like black metal or like heavy music they're like they just think about the fact that it's loud and it's like you know there's like great orchestration going on here as well um so I've always been interested in like I've always wanted to have a black metal band and stuff like that because I think it's very beautiful and like soothing music ironically um but um Yes, but there's also this, uh, one of my favorite songwriters of all time is Leslie Feist. Um, and she, on, her, on the like one of the last Feist records, there was a song that just kind of like, was, it was just this like beautiful song. And then it dipped into like this like 80s rock nonsense for like <laughs> 10 seconds. And at first I was like, when I was listening to the record for the first time, I was like, did I get some sort of like crazy interference or like (laughs) something else turn on? Like I looked at my like phone or computer or whatever I was listening to on being like, what the fuck is this? And then I realized it was just like in there. And I don't know if they were trying to be goofy or if like it was, if there's some sort of meaning behind it or something, but I was just like, that's fucking weird. And like, (laughs) so I was like, I want to do that in some way too. Like kind of like, just kind of have, I like like kind of goofy music sometimes too that just makes people be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, like if, you, if you lean into it, like something that's goofy, like if you lean into it really hard, it becomes like very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of musicians who do that and it's like really sick, like beat happening and stuff. Like his, his voice is so low and you're like, when you listen to it for the first time, you're like, what the fuck is this? Or like clap your hands and say, yeah, you're like, how can anyone listen to this guy's voice? But then after a second, you're like, oh, he's just like going for it. Like that's <laughs> it. Um, so I, I kind of got into this like thought that it would be funny. Like, cause you know, the record, like I think, especially at that point too, like kind of sucks you in, in a way. And you like, I picture hopefully like someone like very consciously listening to the record. And like that point just gets very, very quiet. And then all of a sudden it just explodes out of nowhere with like this big black metal sound. (laughs) The purpose was kind of just to like, there's a lot of like symbolic reasons I think in there too, like audibly, but I think it was just kind of like a funny, like, Hey, wake up. Like I'm shaking your shoulders moment. Like let's get back to it. Like on the record and stuff, (laughs) because it is also like 2020. It's hard to like sit down and listen to like a 40 minute record and be aware and like, have your attention the whole time too so i think that was another thing it's like kind of just like a halftime refresher <laughs> like being like yo like let's i i know like let's go into the second half of the record now or something like that or you know i don't know but also sure. like yeah the record obviously dealing with a lot of like heavier emotional stuff i think <laughs> it was like a good cathartic moment as well <laughs> and kind of symbolic of like just like the nonsensical like loud noise that goes through your head when you're thinking about very dark things and stuff too so it's a purpose in a lot of different ways i think yeah i I always really appreciate this kind of like hairpin like genre turns um yeah (laughs) i think they're fun yeah (laughs) i haven't uh i didn't make the connection until just now but have you heard uh, do you know poppy at all poppy P O P P Y. i don't 
think so. Okay. Well, I think I think you would definitely like. She just put out an album called "I Disagree," and okay. it ha- it has so many of those like turns like that. And I think oh, you would really dig it. That's <laughs> sick. You know, and like people got like, or people still are like really into like hundred gecks and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Like that's like goofy as fuck. You know, <laughs> like it's like completely goofy, and it's awesome because they're like leaning a thousand percent into it and just like going for it and like. And and people listen to a million different genres of music all the time. Like, no one just listens, like, I only listen to rock music or I only listen to rap music or country music or something. Like, most people, if they are, like, a fan of music, they dive into different genres and stuff. So I think a lot of people are okay with the genres jumping around in a record. And I think it's fun. And I think it, like, speaks to, like, our wide influences that, like, influence everybody. Yeah, I feel like that's only becoming like more and more prevalent too with like, you know, Spotify you have and everything mm-hmm. at your fingertips. Like you are able, like you're not dominate, you're not uh, like restricted to just a radio station that plays like one type of music. Yeah. Do you, when you listen to Spotify, do you like, do you let it just play on like shuffle or something? Or do you like actively search out a record? I'm always interested in like how other people seek out music when like it's all like you just said like there's a whole platter there and you could pick from anything like how do you go about that i'm almost always a record person like i'll go to a specific record um there's like certain bands or like right now i'm getting really into fish the last like month or so so <laughs> I, they literally have like 12 days of live music on yeah Apple music so i've been <laughs> just like putting their stuff on uh on shuffle and kind of like picking out making a playlist of the stuff that oh. i like the most yeah um but yeah, for the most part, I'm very, like I said, I'm very album-oriented. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah, I used to not be that album-oriented. And then I I kind of, like, flip back and forth. Like, every once in a while, I'll listen to, like, strictly records and stuff like that. Or, uh, like, as in, like, full albums, not, like, full <laughs> records. But then um, there's other times where I'm just, like, oh, I kind of want to hear, like, a compilation of songs or I want to, like, listen to, like, a playlist or something. <laughs> so I, I, I bounce back and forth a little bit. Yeah, and I'm really also a fan of, like, cohesive playlists, like, ones that have been put together with, like, a specific intent. Yeah, I haven't dove, I think, (laughs) dove um, down into, like, the world of Spotify playlists yet. That's, like, a, it's, like, the bottom of the ocean to me. It's, like, something I, like, cannot comprehend or, like, (laughs) fully understand, but I know it's there, you know? (laughs) Um, For sure. Well, like, Marcus uh, Nuccio from, like, uh Jupiter Styles and Rap Boys and stuff like that. He uh he's very into like Spotify playlists and I always like try to ask him about it because he's always like telling me something new about them or like telling me how they like all relate to each other and stuff. It's <laughs> I always like to wrap up with uh just asking for either like a piece of advice or something that you've been thinking about lately. I, I feel like we've hit on so many like kind of like big ideas, but if yeah, you have yeah anything that's maybe a little less related to the record specifically that you've just <laughs> yeah, been yeah. either about like music or life in general. <laughs> yeah. Julia and I were just talking about uh, Marshawn Lynch, just like kind of re-retired the running back for the Seattle Seahawks and in his like press conference after their last game, he was just like kind of sending a message to everybody. Like he said, like, take care of your bread and shit like that. And like basically saying like to younger players and stuff like manage your money and stuff. But I, it's really, it was really goofy, but I think maybe that relates here is like, I think a lot of 
um, younger musicians. I wish I would have like been more aware of this when I was younger too, like a late teenager, early twenties and stuff of like always making sure you have some sort of other means of making money in addition to playing music. And of course that's coming from someone who like I can easily say that because I have a job figured out at the moment you know (laughs) like that's so it's like not totally fair for me to just like recommend that like hey get another job but um I I think it's an important thing to like just constantly remember that like there's not a lot of money in music and it still is very much a passion thing (laughs) and it, it should be you know like there should be money for musicians and resources and you know outlets for musicians and stuff like that but the unfortunate truth is that there's really not as much as there should be so I think like something I always try to like recommend to people is like always have some other means of making money in the back of your mind whether that's like having some sort of backup career that you can do along with playing music like a lot of people are graphic designers and that works out really well because you can do that from the road or like freelance artists and stuff like that and like um, Dave makes art for other bands and stuff like that and like does kind of like design work on the road as well um, in terms of architecture and like he makes money that way as well and like we've all worked like app jobs and everything like Lyft or like with the grocery shopping app <laughs> stuff like that you know like anything like a job's a job like it doesn't fucking matter what you do for work so like if, as long as you have something to like help you survive financially I think that's a super important thing that a lot of people overlook and I think it weeds out a lot of people in like a bad way like a lot of people aren't able to continue playing music and tour and stuff like that because they hit a point where they're like, fuck, I can't afford this anymore. I have to get a quote unquote real job or something. Mm -hmm. And so I think that stops a lot of people from pursuing playing music. And I think everybody has a voice and it's like super valuable to hear what they have to say through art. So I think it would be, you know, the more musicians that are out there, I think is the better for the world. So I would say, that is the biggest piece of advice that I could give is just, uh, as Marshawn Lynch said, take care of your bread. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that's a really great sentiment. And, it, you know, just having music not be like your sole source of income, I think it allows you to kind of explore it a little more and like have have it not be as stressful, have it have the passion shine through a little more. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, because think- you're, you're not a you're not like as stressed out about like, fuck, I need to make this record work. You know, like I didn't make, (laughs) no, like no one ever makes money really on records that they release or like, it's not their main income or anything. But like when you don't have another income in that moment, you kind of freak out and you're, cause I've been there before. And you think about like, shit, this like record really didn't like pay for itself or that's, it's not like helping me pay rent right now and stuff. And it's, yeah it can be very stressful and it can make you not like music anymore because you can look at it as this thing that has like betrayed you or like has not been able to like you you, you're not able to depend on music in every single way like you'd like to so yeah I don't know (laughs) I think it's important to and it's also good for uh like your mental health too I think to like always be involved in separate different things like it's good to have other outlets rather than for all your eggs in one basket (laughs) that could drive people fucking crazy hey this is steve Choi, host of the musicians guild podcast part of the sound talent media podcast network 
Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.